Hello there, and welcome to the IE Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, Sal, bringing you news from all things soccer in the Inland Empire, from high school to adult amateur. I want to welcome everybody to this episode, where we've got an interview with one of the founders of the recently announced USL2 expansion of Redlands FC, Mr. Ryan Wiley. But first, before we get started on the interview, I want to uh, update everyone on what's been happening here in IE Soccerland. So first things first, I want to talk about some adult amateur stuff that's been going on. Uh, like recently, IEFC smashing topside Capo FC on Sunday by a score of 6-1. to one. Capo FC is one of the hottest teams in Orange County and in Southern California, in, in my opinion. And that showing is a shocker for them. And IEFC right now looking strong, starting the new year with a bang, beating Capistrano FC. Right now, IEFC is sitting in fourth place of the SoCal Premier First Division with 14 points, just two points behind third place Problems FC. Result definitely caught me off guard now that Capo FC is on a two-game losing streak, I would say, in 2022, Capital FC, definitely one of the top sides. Definitely one of the top sides in Southern California. And IEFC beating them in that fashion. Not just, you know, a, a game where they won by a one-goal margin. They put five more uh, beyond beyond this team. So very impressive by IEFC. Definitely a good, a good result to start their 2023 calendar year. Uh, transitioning into the indoor side of things, the Empire Strikers uh, swept the Dallas Sidekicks at home, a result on Friday that the Strikers won two, yeah, 10 to two, sorry, and then on Sunday they defeated the Sidekicks eight to three. The boys in purple are now in a four-game winning streak that they will take with them on the road to Tacoma, and then after that they will travel down to Mexico with that four-game winning streak at hand. Right now they sit in fourth place in the West with 19 points, tied with third place Chihuahua Savage. Uh, on Sunday I was watching that game. Uh, I went in person with my dad and, and my brother and that was a fun game. We had a fun time going down there to, to the Toyota Arena, uh, seeing how they uh, made a comeback, right, falling behind early in the game. Dallas scored within the first 90 seconds and yeah, it didn't look good for the first half for the strikers, but eventually uh, they, they problem solved and they find a way, uh, they found a way to make plays in the midfield instead of, you know, trying to rely on the wings, which was giving them, oh, excuse me, which was giving them problems, you know, and, and they're not really c- uh, clicking um, in that first half. But once they, once they found the connections, uh, they kind of just ran away with the lead and yeah, it was it was so much fun, uh, seeing how they went in that fashion. I was very happy, and I'm still trying to recover from all the screaming that I did on Sunday. So forgive me if I sound a little bit raspy. Um, sticking with indoor, uh, the Empire Jets, right? The the second team to the to the Strikers. They unfortunately had a lousy showing against uh, some of the border and south of the border teams. Uh, they've lost three matches to these teams of Mexican descent or, or Mexican uh, backgrounds, um, two losses to RGV Barracudas, 
and then losing one game to Chihuahua Savage 2. Um, both, uh, all three games they lost by wide margins. I saw part of the last match against RGV on the road in their indoor field without a roof, which was very, <laughs> was very odd seeing that because the other MASL, you know, the, the first one and the second indoor leagues, they've always had a roof, but down there in Texas, they didn't have a roof, which was, you know, the, the elements of the sun and wind could affect uh, how you play indoor soccer. So that, that, that must have been a very different experience from for the Empire Jets. I don't know if that's the first time they've ever had a play in those circumstances, but definitely not usual for me at least to see that. Nonetheless, the Texas team uh, dominated possession. Uh, they were just more aggressive and overall looked more experienced as they beated uh, the Empire Jets, I believe, 8-4 to four that match that happened on Sunday, just before the Strikers, just before the Strikers game. I was watching parts of it on YouTube. I didn't see the whole game, but, you know, my analysis is basically that from how much I saw. Uh, right now, the Jets are on a three-game losing streak, and they're sitting third place in the West. So that ends the, the indoor segment, uh, and I'll just briefly talk about some other things that have been happening here in IE Soccer. Uh, the UPSL Regional Cup right now is going on uh, with the first game for Storm United. They uh, didn't beat Capo FC. They fell 1-0 to the San Juan Capistrano Club. Uh, meanwhile, Marietta Soccer Academy tied with Flash FC 1-1 um, out there in the Great Park in Irvine. So, you know, it's a great preseason kind of tournament for both of these uh, IE teams before they start their spring season. So, you know, the, the results don't really matter all that much, but you do want to have a good showing and you want to be on a, you know, get the, get the ball rolling before you start your spring season. The, the next matches, they'll definitely have better results, you would hope. Beyond the adult amateur side, uh, you know, right now, high school boys and high school uh, girls soccer right now in the thick of their season. I've been uh, seeing on social media some of the goals and some of the highlights that they have been posting and some of the results and you know I love it. It's just it's so great. I haven't been to a high school game this calendar year so far. I haven't done so much in December but if you guys have a chance go out and, and check out the high school game. It's lots of fun. Very exciting. I, I would I would highly recommend it. I would love to see it more as I can find some break because I, I started school today, so I'm trying to get a chance to chance to check them out. But yeah, very, very cool stuff from what I'm seeing so far on social media. And finally, the last thing I wanted to talk about is just acknowledging that there's more IE talent going into these uh, Mexican squads. The, the latest news, uh, I should say the latest example would be Anthony Garcia from La Sierra University uh, signing a contract with Santos Laguna U20. Very, very exciting. That happened very early on this, this calendar year. And there's still, you know, there's other uh, talent that are born and bred from the Inland Empire who are still in the Mexican pyramid right now. I can't think of um, all of them off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure someone's going to correct me. But, you know, names like Jonathan Suarez. Um, I think he's at TJ now. There's uh, Rupo Calba who is, I don't know if he's still at Pumas, or, you know, they're, they're all in the Mexican pyramid, you know, they're out in the U-20s, and, and, and some of them are in the first division, you know, Rupa Calba, he, he scored on his debut 
I remember seeing that uh, on YouTube and stuff. And right when he got subbed on, it was um, it was a four zero win for Pumas against. I forgot who they played, but I did remember that. I was like, hey, that's the boy from Colton. You know, well done. So I'm very happy that we have a lot more of this talent that's going out there and filling up the the roles and the rosters of of the Mexican of the Mexican system because, you know, if people want an impression, uh, if people want an impression about how the talent is out here, it's a good measuring stick for me to talk to them about. Excuse me, I've been having a lot to eat this evening. But yeah, it's great to see how we how our talent measures within the Mexican within the Mexican system because now these coaches and these scouts who are big wigs out in the Mexican in the Mexican teams, they, they're coming out here to Southern California and specifically to the IE and they say we want more of this. We want more Garcias, we want more Lubacalvas, we want more Suarez because they're they're we're, they're putting out, and I've always been the impression that uh, this this region can produce very very good individual talent. Um, in my experience, I can never really see IE teams be good as a unit. I've never really seen that. I've never seen like a like a team that collectively can be great as a unit, but individuals can really make themselves shine and really get to the really get to the next level. Um, those are just three examples that I can name off the top of my head. Um, and I'm pretty sure there's also women talent out there as well. Don't get me, I, I believe um, La Sierra, I think one of the, I can't remember her name, I hope someone someone can remind me. I think another uh, a talent from La Sierra, I think she got a, a, a call up for the national team of Guam or maybe some Pacific Island national team the philippines I, I can't remember i did remember seeing it on social media but again it proves my point what i just talked about the boys i would say the same thing about the girls too much talent out here and i'm only one person but nonetheless i'm very happy it's a good problem to have to try to keep track of all these great talents that we have here and with that i'll just transition now right about all this great talent i'll transition to now uh, the topic of today's interview, which is uh, today's episode, which is an interview with RFC co-founder uh, Ryan Wiley. Now, on January 12th, that's when the USL announced a new expansion side in the city of Redlands. Uh, to my knowledge, this is the first team in the USL 2 system, and I believe in the USL overall. I've never... I don't think there's another IE team like before I started covering... Uh, the game here. I, I don't think there's ever been a USL team in the Inland Empire. The closest one would be, you know, FC Golden State, which they're kind of based on the San Gabriel Valley. But that would be the closest, the closest team uh, in terms of USL in proximity to the Inland Empire. But it caught me off guard, you know, seeing that, uh, uh, seeing that announcement. It definitely surprised me. But I always daydreamed about how the city would support an amateur team if they had one. You know, the city of Redlands, they have a lot of spirit. It's very strong. They're very prideful. And they're always supportive of, of local, right? Everything local. Um, and strong emphasis on, on local. So with that pretext, 
Here is the interview with Ryan Wiley. Okay, cool. So first question I just want to ask you, Mr. Ryan, is um, can you give more, um, get more into detail about your, um, your soccer story? I understand in the website you kind of mentioned it briefly, but you know, can you just go into more detail about you know your soccer story and how you got involved and you know where you are in soccer today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I started watching soccer in the 2006 World Cup uh, when it was Germany, and I just fell in love with it then. Um, so I started playing more once I was in high school, and then I've just continued to stay involved with it, playing uh, adult leagues up in the Bay Area, where I'm splitting my time right now between uh, SF and Redlands. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I've, you know, it's just been something that I've loved ever since high school. And starting a team is just something I've always wanted to do, and I figured there's no better time than the present than to go for it. So, you know, now we're now we're doing it. Wow, that's great. So you mentioned you mentioned a little bit about um, you know, going back and forth between here in the Bay Area. You know, how familiar are you with adult amateur soccer in the country? Like, are you new to it, or you're just like very familiar with this, and this is nothing new to you? I'm relatively new to it. Um, you know, I've been following USL too for a little while now, but I by no means an expert with it. Um, but in speaking with the people at the league, I think this league just made the most sense to join in terms of um, you know, just different adult leagues across the country. Oh, okay, well, that's fair. Sticking with the the, the topic of, um, you know, being uh, related more to the city of Redlands, how aware are you of, of the talent here in the Inland Empire? Is it something where you're just like, oh, it's a gold mine, or you're just like, oh, I don't know what to expect as far as, like, our first tryout, for example? Uh, from what I've heard, it's a very talent-rich area. You know, I've heard, I know kids from high school that, that I went to high school with who are very very talented. Um, obviously, Landon Donovan's from the area. Yes. Um, so I know it's a pretty talent-rich area, so I'm hoping once we get to tryouts, we can like see firsthand all the talent that's in the area. All right. Very well said. Very well said. Um, you kind of mentioned briefly um, a little bit about you know I'm um, starting the team, but I want to ask specifically the timing of like now. You know, like why start this club in in 2023? You know, how come you didn't start it five years ago, or how come you're not starting it five years from now? Like, why is the timing now? You know, to start a club. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, five years ago, I just wasn't really in a position to be starting my own club. Right now, I have a little bit more flexibility in doing that, um, just in terms of, uh, I guess, free time, more or less. Um, And then, you know, starting it now as opposed to five years from now, um, I think, you know, considering that the World Cup just finished and then in four years, the World Cup's going to be in the U.S., I feel like it's just the perfect time to really kind of ride the soccer wave in the U.S. and hopefully, hopefully just improve, like, improve the popularity of soccer in the u.s yeah that's that's a fair point yeah that we are we are going to host it in in 2026 that's a fair that's a fair assessment yeah it it just it just hit me right now we're going to host it in the next four years (laughs) yeah yeah uh, i asked it briefly and you're and you were talking about it you know there is so many adult amateur leagues around southern california can you just go into more detail on why you chose uh, USL two specifically, as opposed to you know all the other you know alphabet soup of am- adult amateur <laughs> leagues here. How come? Why? Why USL two? USL two just seems to be very organized. Um, you know, they're spread across the country, but considering they have like the championship level, then League one, and then League two, it seems like they just have a really wide array of talent, and mm-hmm. 
Also, the support that we've gotten from them in terms of starting a team has been unparalleled. Um, And so for that... For those reasons, it just made the most sense to go with uh, USL too. Great, you know, and and you're explaining it a little bit, you know. I bet I imagine when I release this, and you know, I'm pretty sure the the local Redlands resident will probably not understand what USL too. So, can you get into more detail, and can you just like uh, play yourself in a scenario where you have to explain to um, a Redlands resident who has like you know, not even the slightest clue about adult amateur soccer or professional soccer in this country? Like, how would you explain to your potential um, um, fans or potential sponsors or anyone who is interested in, like, how would you explain USL 2 to that person? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So USL 2 is USL League 2. So it's a nationwide league that has, I think, this year, that's going to be around 130-ish teams across the country. Uh, spread into like four conferences and those are divided into different divisions and so we'll be we'll be playing in the southwest division with uh, some teams across from southern california and arizona and so the league itself is called a pre-professional team pre-professional league and so for the most part from my understanding all the teams are amateur teams i could be wrong on that but i believe that's the case yeah for the most part yeah so, yeah, most of the players who play in this league are college players who are playing here during the off offseason um, so that they can still get, like, competitive soccer in during their college off season, And then once the season's done, it, they go back to playing college. And so our season goes from May until July with the playoffs starting in mid-July going into, like, early August. I'm not really sure what else to say about the league. Uh, um, yeah, explain, go into more, because I, I, I know I, I'm very familiar with it, but um, like a leading question from our explanation, like why why college players, can a player who doesn't play college, can they try out? Is it just only, you know, pigeonholed to college talent? Uh, yeah, so it is, we can have, I forget how many designated players, but there can be a handful of designated players on the team that I think, are over the age of 23 or 24. Um, for the most part, though, it is college players. I think, you know, you can have some youth players on the team. But, yeah, for the most part, it's, like, all college players. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, okay. So I did not know about the, the, the designated of, of three of three players who are not 23 years old. So that is, um, okay. Yeah. And I could have that slightly wrong, but I think that's like approximately what the rules are on it. Yeah, I, I won't hold you against you. I just three three players does sound right. Well, I'm, I won't quote you, and I won't quote myself neither. But I, yeah. I, I do believe there is um, a, a limit where the, it's mostly the majority is going to be within that age range, and and anyone else, you're kind of just uh, the you know the opening is a lot more narrow if you're out of that age range. Um, yeah, exactly. So um, going more specific to to um, this upcoming season, the twenty twenty three. You know, what's your what's your expectations for um, you know this this upcoming uh, May? You know, on the field as well as uh, off the field. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're in a pretty difficult division. We are going to be playing Ventura County a couple times. They were the national champions last year. Yes. Um, I think there's some other pretty good teams in our division. So, you know, for our first year, we're just really hoping to get over 500. I think that for us, that would be considered a win. Um, And then in the following years, obviously, we hope to really push it a lot more and make a run in the playoffs. And, you know, ideally, hopefully one year win uh, the national championship. 
in terms of off the field so we're really taking a community first approach to this so we really want to be involved with like all aspects of redlands we're working with local businesses on stuff we want to be involved with the youth programs and you know try and work out deals with them where if you know you play for a youth team you can get a discount to go to the games or something like that um and so yeah we're really trying to take just a community first approach to this team um in terms of off the field stuff that's great. Now, what do you, you asked over five hundred? Are you act? Uh, is that like a reference to win percentage? Is that what that meant? Yeah, win percentage. So over fifty percent. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's that sounds like a baseball term, and that's out of my area of expertise. Um, <laughs> but yeah, winning most 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 of your games of the season, I do understand that absolutely. <laughs> and yeah, my my final question, you know, what is you know you mentioned you know a community approach to it. Um, but as, as in terms of, of the club, you know, what is what is the long term goal? You know, is the um, ambitions to one day be professional? You know, do you have uh, what are like some objectives do you have for like the next five years? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we would love to be professional one day. You know, we're just starting off with we're starting small to make sure we can actually handle this before we kind of get in over our heads. Uh, but yeah, we would love to be professional one day. Um, we would also love to have a women's team one day. I think that'd be really great. Oh yeah. That's, yeah. So, you know, we're not doing that this year, obviously, but that's something that we're keeping an eye on. And we'd also right. really like to try and get it into the youth program a little bit. You know, I'm not entirely sure what that looks like, but I think that would hopefully benefit a lot of people in the area. And so, I mean, those are kind of our main three, um, main three goals in terms of long-term goals. Okay, yeah, that does that does make sense. So, like, you want to be a, an overall club from from top to bottom. Yep. Got you. Okay, that, that that's a fair. That's a fair. That's a fair way to look at it. Yeah, everyone has a, <laughs> a has a different uh, approach to it, right? I've been involved with with a local game for for so long, and you know, it's uh, people do it. You know, reverse. Some people start from the youth and then move up, and others go from from the top uh, to bottom. But I'm I'm pretty sure with your experience, you got to see uh, both sides, right? You got to see how some start with adults, go to youth, and some uh, that start at youth go to adult. Yep, exactly. So yeah, we're just starting. I guess sort of in the middle, but. Gotcha. All right, perfect. All right, so that ends my interview with uh, Mr. Ryan. I want to give him a big thank you for his time uh, talking to me and sharing info about uh, Redlands Football Club. Uh, my thoughts about this interview and, and the project overall and what the other founders are approaching this project, very optimistic. Very, very optimistic. Uh, I would say for one thing, they're going for a community connection, right? The, I, I imagine they would have marketing efforts that aren't solely digital, right? Uh, marketing such as like banners around the downtown area. You know, they will talk with uh, city officials and local businesses, which Ryan already mentioned. Um, that can bring the city together to support them. And um, I believe it will turn out successful if they can do it right. Don't just solely go through the social medias promoting it, which I'm not assuming that they are, but in my experience, I feel like make it more than just what happens on social media. Don't just promote on the phone. Make it so that the the average commuter and the average person who's just out and about and they see the Redlands FC logo and say, hey, come out and support a match this Sunday at, you know, uh, RHS 
And they'll be like, what is that? And it'll spark curiosity. It'll be the talk of the town. That, that could be the ultimate imagination, the ultimate goal. If they do the community connection right, which I do see they have potential to do since I do work at the Redland School District. I've been there since 2018. So I've been around the city for around five or six years now. So I kind of have a feel and the vibe of how the people feel about things. Another vibe that I do feel about the city of Redlands is, you know, it's a very talent-rich area. They're, they're going for not just a brand logo team, right, Ryan and, and the others, um, where they only just look good off the field, but on the field, they also have potential, right? I don't want to get too much into my soapbox on how soccer teams focus on just a logo and a brand, right? Because that, that kind of drives me up a wall. I'm very much a, what happens on the field is, is my priority compared to what you do off the field. But, you know, in this country, you can get away with just being a logo and a brand. And what you do on the field is, is very bad, right? If I give an analogy, it's like, uh, you know, you're a chef at a restaurant. And you only focus on putting all your resources on utensils, plates, napkins, the dinner table, the cloth, the curtains, the lighting, the restaurant, but then your food is bad, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, it, it's a sport. The sport is soccer. You should be good on the field. Like your main dish, I mean, not your main dish, but the food has to be the best part. It shouldn't, they, they <laughs> you know, customers don't come back because the scenery looks great. If they don't like the food, then it's kind of just like, well, it's not so much of a restaurant if all you just do is do good decorations you might as well be a hotel because you get everything right but the food you know what i'm saying so as long as they don't right they don't focus on the the decorations of it and they focus on what happens on the field um that can bring long-term success but you know a balance is very important as well right don't just i'm not just saying put 110 percent on the field because i i could see i do see the opposite of that happen, right? Where you, um, sticking with that analogy, right? If you have great food, if you don't tell anyone, then no one's going to come up. No one's going to show up to eat your food. And then you can't really make money because no one else knows about it. You got great food. No one's going to deny that. But if no one knows, then no one's going to come and eat. So they, they, they're, they're, they're having a balanced approach. And I like that, uh, based off, based off what the, the interview with Ryan and, and how he came about things. Uh, and then my last comment that I want to say about the interview, uh, the last thing I want to say about the interview is that their soccer network, Ryan and, and the other other guys, they're starting from scratch, which I believe is like maybe the biggest struggle that they, that they got so far because they have lots of options, right, to connect with uh, the youth, right, that's one of, their, one of their goals, and with other teams within the same level. Uh, but they have to do a lot of cold calls. They have to get through the hurdle that is not being familiar and not and not having started relations or already having relationships already established. Now, I could be wrong because, you know, the interview with, with Mr. Ryan, I only had 30 minutes with him before he had to go on to do some, some other business. So he could have relationships that he didn't mention in the interview. But nonetheless, um, based off, you know, how much I know with my soccer network here in the IE, you know, he's got, they, they got, they got to do some work, <laughs> especially on, on making their contact book a lot more thicker. Um, but they have time, right? They, they just started. I don't want to seem like, oh, you guys are missing out on so much. Well, yeah, they just barely announced it like 
a week or two ago. Like they've just started. Someone you have to start at some point. But if they can connect, in my opinion, if they can connect, like one good connection that they could have and they should have and they must have is is a connection with the U of R, right? University of Redlands program. And if they can get Coach Perez, right? If they can get Ralph Perez, the coach of the Bulldogs, that would be a match made in heaven. In my opinion, he is the best coach in the Inland Empire. Just simply for being consistent with the Bulldogs program for over many years. And personally, I've always wanted Coach Perez to coach adult amateur just to see what he can do. Because he's been coaching for a long time. Don't quote me on the stats, but I, every time I see the, uh, the the Bulldogs, right, I'll go to their games. I would say on average every season, including the non I don't see in conference. Their conference record, on average, always averaged 10 wins a season, which is very, very impressive. They've always been in the top two or top three in the NCAA Division Three. God, what's their conference? SCIAC, right? I don't, I don't know much about the, the conferences and stuff like that. But all these top two, top three programs, hands down. And I would say for... For Mr. Ryan and the other co-founders, if they can connect with U of R, then yeah, I, I, I think they're set, right? You get Coach Perez, that's like, it's a chef's kiss in my eyes, definitely. With all that rambling, that concludes uh, this episode of the IE Soccer Podcast. Uh, you can check out Redlands FC on their website. I'll leave a link in the, in the show notes. Or you can follow up on the latest news, um, get tickets, merchandise, and uh, follow them on all their social media platforms. Um, you can also check out my page, IE Soccer, on Instagram, at IE Soccer 909. You can check me out on Twitter, at IE Soccer 9. Uh, and I also have a Facebook and a Reddit. All links will be in the show notes. And with that, I'll talk to all of you next time. And I hope you guys have a great day.